that bad of a person. <laughs> yeah, um, my wife may disagree. I'm pretty sure my brother would disagree. But um, in my mind, I'm not that bad of a person. Uh, you know, I, I've made some bad decisions. I have made some, you know, some poor choices. But, you know, when I'm weighing myself up against other people, when I'm weighing myself up against, you know, some pretty bad people out there, eh, I'm not that bad. I, I'm, I'm not perfect. Uh, but at the end of the day, all in all, I'm not that bad. That's at least the way I see myself. When I look in the mirror and when I look at myself through my filter or through my glasses, I don't think I'm that bad of a person. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I, I make mistakes. I can tell you without question that I have a uh, temper. I have, I have a temper. I have a bad temper. I've got issues with getting angry at certain situations. And I'm getting better at some of those things, but I can tell you that for me, I get really mad at Arkansas Razorback sporting events when things don't go well. So I've been getting really mad. Um, but I, specifically, you know, it's not been as bad for football because we've been so bad for so long it really doesn't matter anymore. But, um, you know, back in 2018 when Arkansas baseball was playing for the national championship. Sorry to bring up bad memories. But uh, when Arkansas was playing for the national championship, and if you remember, we literally dropped the national championship. We dropped it. I did not react well. I reacted very poorly. Um, in fact, if you came to our home today and you walked into our laundry room, you would see a massive, massive dent on top of our washing machine where I reacted poorly. <laughs> um, it was bad. I got very angry when we dropped the national championship behind first base. Um, in fact, let's have a moment. It was bad. I, and I, I, but at the end of the day, I didn't kill anybody, you know? I didn't murder anybody. I'm, I'm make mistakes. I've got some temper problems, but I'm not like I'm killing anybody. Um, I've got road rage problems. I think everybody's got a little bit of that. I mean, there's several people in this room right now that probably could attest to having a little bit of road rage. I mean, duck season's in. There's some new people driving around town. We get road rage with them, right? Right? But that doesn't make us bad people. We just got some problems. We got some issues. My daughter, Rachel, God love her, she's going to have to deal with being uh, examples for a lot of her life, I'm afraid. And, um, but I asked, actually asked Rachel's permission to tell this story. I asked her permission last night to, if I could tell this story. A couple of uh, weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago at this point, uh, we were, myself, Beth, Rachel, and Harley was actually in with us. We were over in the 252 Theater, and we were cleaning up because we had an event uh, that was going to be happening in the church, and so we were cleaning up in, two, in the 252 Theater, and Rachel was helping us as only a four-year-old can help you clean up. And she was helping us, and she had this roll of paper towels, and she was peeling off the paper towel uh, one sheet at a time. And she'd peel off a sheet of the paper towel, and she'd spray some Windex, and she'd clean a little bit, you know, and she'd throw that paper towel sheet off, and she'd peel another one off, and she'd spray a little Windex, and she'd clean it up. And she did this about eight, nine, ten times in a row. And so it was getting to that point, you know, I was saying, okay, Rachel, that's enough, stop, that's enough, you know. But I really wasn't using my dad voice at this point, you know, I really wasn't getting serious about it, wasn't drawing the line in the sand. So finally, about 10, 11, 12 times of pulling this paper, these paper towels off, I finally put the line in the sand, threw down the gauntlet, used my dad voice, Rachel, stop, do not get another paper towel. Do you understand me? And my four-year-old daughter, who I love, I do. And who is so sweet? She, she is. She's a sweet kid. She locks eyes with me. Eyeball to eyeball. And, you, and Harley can testify to this. He saw it happen. She locks eyes with me, looks up at me, and peels another paper towel off the roll. Now, the first thing that happened was a chill went up my spine because I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I dealing with? What, what, what just happened? So I say, okay, so now... You know, I'm a 21st century dad. I've read the books. I've listened to the podcast. I know how I'm supposed to react. Um, at least I think I do. And 
So it's so, okay, Rachel, me and you, we've got to go talk. So we go from the 252 theater into the four and five-year-old room and first look, and I sit down, and, and you know, we're kind of knee to knee, and she's sitting down, and I'm sitting down, and I say, okay, Rachel, why are you in trouble? And she says, I'm in trouble because I peeled off the paper towels after you told me not to. So I thought, okay, she knows what she did, which is good, kind of bad, because she knew what she did wrong, but good, though, she knows. I said, so now what does daddy have to do? And she goes, I don't know. Okay. And then she waits a beat, about two or three seconds, and, then she, and this, is, this is the truth. This is exactly how it happens. She goes, wait a minute. I know what you're about to do. You're about to spank me. And this is the truth. She gets up out of the seat, she walks in front of me, and she bends over. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? How do you react to that? The books do not tell you how to react to that. The podcasts do not tell you how to react to that. That's what happened. But at the end of the day, as, you know, kind of like, wow. <laughs> Again, another cold chill went up my spine at that point. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not like she stole something. It's not like she was being really bad. She just, she's four she disobeyed. She's kind of testing her limits, and everybody after church is going to ask me, did you spank her? That's what everybody at 9.30 asks. I'm not telling you. Because um, it's hard to spank somebody when you have a smile on your face. But all that being said, it's not like she was being really bad, right? Because that's kind of the way we see ourselves. We say, I was being kind of bad, but I'm not being evil. I'm being that bad. Um, we see ourselves as, you know, maybe we speed a little bit, but it's not like we're being really bad. Maybe I turned in some hours that I did not work, but it's not like that's that bad. It's not like I'm an evil person. Um, maybe you think, okay, I, I didn't report all of, uh, you know, all of my taxes, but it's not like I robbed a little old lady, right? Okay, okay, so maybe I robbed a little old lady, but it's not like I'm out selling drugs to kids, right? Okay, okay. So maybe one time, I sold a drug to a kid, but it's not like I killed anybody, right? That's kind of the way we, and I haven't done that, those things, okay? I promise, I haven't done those things. Maybe not all of those things, but, no, I haven't done any of those things. But, but seriously, we, we, we kind of, we compare, don't we? We think, okay, this is bad, but that's worse, and that over there, whoo, them people are bad. Those are bad people over there. And we compare. We fall into that trap of comparing our bad with other people's bad. And we think, yeah, I've blown it, but there are so many worse people out there than me, so I'm really not that bad. Um, we look at ourselves in comparison to other people, and, and we say, there are, some, there are a lot of people a lot worse than me walking around today. And we, we think to ourselves, yeah, I've made some mistakes. I will not deny that. And we'll even make the statement that, yeah, I need God's help. I won't deny that. And we might even take it another step and say, and I even need to be adopted into his family. But our concept of adoption, and really more so our concept of the way we look in that process, is very different from the way he looks at us. The way I look at myself is very different than the way he looks at me. So, um, as an example, um, I've got a picture. We see ourselves more like this in this concept of adoption. That's, that's kind of how we, we see ourselves, right? We think of ourselves as a little baby left in a basket at God's doorstep with a little note that says, Adopt me, please. Oh, so sweet. Poor little helpless cold. I was sweet at one point. It, it, it's true. Poor little helpless Cole. He's so sweet and adorable. He needs to be adopted. He's precious. He's not perfect, but he needs to be adopted, and God's going to do it. But really, that's my view of me. That's my filter. Those are my glasses that I look at me through. And, and, and I feel like everyone in this room, everyone watching right now on Facebook Live, I feel like, we all kind of look at ourselves somewhat the same way sometimes. But the truth is, God looks at us a little bit differently. God's filter, His glasses that He looks at us through are different. 
God really didn't see an abandoned baby bundled up on the front step who was irresistibly cute and opened the door and says, oh, how sweet. In truth, when God found me as opposed to that, he found something that looked more like this. Kind of freaky. <laughs> or or maybe, maybe for you it was something that looked a little more like this. Okay, okay, so maybe you don't fall in that category. Maybe you look more like this. I know for me personally, when God found me on the doorstep, this is literally what he found. <laughs> That's literally what he saw. He opened the door, he's like, oh my goodness. I changed my mind, get out of here, right? I mean, that's, that, y'all can get, go ahead, get that off. <laughs> We're going to leave that up there? All right, that's better. So I, that's literally, I mean, that's God's viewpoint of us. It's not this beautiful, um, precious little baby who is just so adorable, bundled up, and, you know, like the movies show us. That's not the way we were presented to God at that moment of adoption. In fact, Paul writes about it uh, when he, write, he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus. Probably some of the best scripture in the New Covenant is in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 3. This is Paul writing. He says, Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. I think that's a really good way to describe it. I mean, that's really a good descriptive term of, of what Paul's saying here. The passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature. God didn't find a helpless little innocent bundle of joy, did he? At least he didn't for me. Um, he found an, really an ugly, evil, rebellious individual. Uh, something that was very unattractive. He continues on, Obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We're not easy children to deal with. It's kind of like Rachel. In, in, in my story, that is true. I promise you, that really happened. We're not easy to deal with. Um, we weren't easy to deal with before submitting to God, and really and truly, we're still not always easy to deal with. And what's worse, and sometimes this is difficult, it's not popular to say, and it's really difficult to hear, but this is true. Um, God himself was very angry with me before being adopted into his family, because God hates sin, and God hates rebellion. Um, and Paul tells us that we were actually children of God's wrath. Um, if we continue on in Ephesians, Paul says, we were then by nature children of God's wrath, and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. Now, really what we've been talking about in this series the last few weeks has really been more positive. It's been uh, how as we have been adopted into God's family, we become heirs to, to everything and, and how, you know, the comparisons between adoption then and adoption now and adoption in the Roman times and, and kind of all the, the comparisons between the two. But really before that process, before that adoption occurred into God's family, we were heirs to his wrath. We were heirs to his indignation, like everybody else. If we were not adopted, things were going to be very, well, not just very, completely different for me and completely different for you. And truthfully, as difficult as that is to hear, and as difficult as that for some people may be to accept, that's exactly what I deserved. That's exactly what all of us deserve. That's exactly what I earned. Because I can sit up here and I can try to, you know, make you guys believe I'm not that bad. I, I'm, you know, I make a bad choice every once in a while. I get to the fork in the road and sometimes I go left when I should have gone right. But the truth of the matter is, and I think you guys maybe, hopefully, would, would to some degree understand where I'm coming from. If I'm being honest, and I really got deep in my mind and my heart, and I really laid it out there about who I really am and the thoughts that really go through my mind, I ain't that good. And neither, neither are you in all likelihood. So that's really what I earned. That's really what I deserved was God's wrath and to be an heir of his indignation. And yet... God pursued us into a relationship of adoption. I, man, I, I don't understand that. He pursued people living in sin. He pursued people living under the curse of God's wrath, of His wrath. 
People that should have really wanted nothing to do with him. Who he should have wanted nothing to do with. You know, it's kind of like if you think about it, if you think about two cliffs separated by a wide valley, and I'm over here before being brought into the family of God, before submitting to Him through Christ. I'm over here on this, this cliff, over on, on this side over here. And God, and I'm living in my sin over here. I, I'm messy, I'm dirty, you know, everything that I really am. You know, I can try to fool you all day long, but really and truly, who I am, I'm living in my sin over here on this, on this cliff. And God is over on, he, on this other cliff over here. He's in His holiness and His sinlessness and His perfection. And we're separated by this wide expanse. And God has to cross this wide expanse from where He is to where I am. And it is filled with my sin. It's filled with my mess. It's filled with my dirty, nasty, messy life. And God has to cross that from where He's at to where I am. He has to cross that great divide divide in order to adopt me and in order to adopt you. And that distance that He crossed, it is infinitely greater, wider, and deeper than any of us in this room or any of us watching on Facebook Live right now can ever truly comprehend. Just how wide the gap was between me and God when our relationship was severed. God crossed the greatest barrier possible in order to adopt us. A sinless God crossed over sin. Why did He do it? He didn't have to. He certainly didn't have to. But He chose to. He chose to cross over my mess, my filth, my, the things that I know that nobody else does. The things that you know that the person sitting right next to you doesn't know that goes on in your deepest places that you don't like to talk about and that I don't like to talk about. God had to cross every one of those thoughts, every one of those actions, every one of those instances that take place in the dark. He crossed every one of them so that He could have a relationship with me and you. Because until that happened... We were in a bad place. We were in a really bad place. Even though we didn't think so, maybe, because again, we're comparing ourselves. I compare myself to you, and maybe I look at your life, and I compare it to my life, and I can say, eh, I'm not great, but I ain't as bad as him. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob anybody. I didn't do that. Because, boy, it makes me feel better, but it's a lie when we tell ourselves, we compare ourselves because it just makes us feel better. Because at the end of the day, my sin, it was enough. It was, it was plenty. My sin was enough. My dirty, even though maybe it wasn't as dirty as yours in my mind, my dirty was enough in God's mind. Uh, my bad was bad enough. My dirty was dirty enough. My messy was messy enough that something had to change. Something had to give. And that something was Jesus had to come. And Jesus had to die. Jesus had to create that bridge between those two cliffs so that we could connect in a relationship. It had to happen. And it wasn't a pretty thing. I don't know if you've ever um, really studied the death of Christ on the cross and that whole event. It was, not, it was not pretty. It was a very ugly death. It was a very ugly thing that happened. And that's what had to happen. Because my bad was plenty bad, and my mess was plenty messy. Even if it wasn't as bad in my mind as yours, it was plenty messy. Now, it's not politically correct to say this today, but before I submitted to God and before our, my relationship was, with God was, um, was repaired through what Jesus did, I was living a very ugly, sinful, selfish life. And for some reason... God decided to step into my ugly life and He decided to step into your ugly life. Not because we were cute. Not because we were this cute, precious bundle of joy laying in the basket just begging to be adopted. Far from it. But because we were so distorted with sin, we were so desperate, we were so helpless, 
But above all, we were just loved. And again, I don't understand why he would have loved me enough to be willing to do what he did. Again, because it was messy. God adopted us out of a really bad situation. It was a terminal situation. It was a situation that if something hadn't changed for me, it would have been an eternally deadly situation. It would have been a situation where I would have been eternally separated from a relationship with God. Paul goes on in Ephesians in uh, chapter 2, continuing in chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 10. Some of the, Again, the best scripture in the entire New Covenant. Paul continues on in, in verse 4. He says, But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I didn't deserve it. I deserve death because I'm messy, I'm dirty, I'm filthy, and y'all don't even really know the whole story. And yet, God sent Jesus anyway because of his grace. He adopted me and you out of a very bad situation, and he brought me into his family. And not only that, and this is where it just goes from being amazing to being beyond my comprehension. He didn't just adopt me into his family. He said, I'm not only going to adopt you, I'm going to put you on the same level as Jesus. I'm going to make you a co-heir to Jesus. Verse 6, Paul says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and get this, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. He did that. We didn't earn it. I earned the exact opposite. I, I didn't deserve it. I was living as God's enemy. Complete opposite. And yet, in Him, in His goodness, and in His love, He did it. And He didn't just do it because He loved me. He did it for His glory. Paul tells us in verse 7, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all He has done for who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. He adopted all of us, every single one of us, that have submitted to Him. He adopted every one of us out of a miserable, bad, hopeless situation. He took us, people that were living ugly, nasty, messy lives, living as enemies of God, and He transformed us into His very own children. And not only that, He transformed us into works of of art. You see, Paul goes on in verse 10, one of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible, the entire New Covenant, the entire New Testament. One of the most amazing verses in the entire New Covenant. Paul says this, For we are God's masterpiece. Now, I don't know about you guys, but God did quite a few things over the course of, you know, just human history. And yes, I know that that is probably one of the greatest understatements of all time. And yet, we are his masterpiece. That's a pretty big deal. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. And this is a big statement. He planned for us long ago. You see, from the beginning of this, he had a plan. It's all time. He knew about this whole thing from the beginning. He had a plan. He knew from the beginning that there was going to be a guy by the name of Joshua, that's my first name, Joshua Cole Sherman, who was going to be born, and he was going to mess up. And he was going to mess up, and he was going to keep messing up. And because he messed up, he knew that Joshua Cole Sherman was not going to be able to have a relationship with him. And that wasn't good enough. And he couldn't handle that. And so he knew that because I was going to mess up, he had to send a way for me to have a relationship. And so he sent Jesus. And he knew that there was going to come a time where I was going to submit to him. And I was going to say, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know the answer. I don't know the why. I don't have all the answers to the questions. I don't know 
you know, where this whole thing's going to take me, but I know this, I'm submitting to you, and I'm going to say, you're in charge, you're the boss. I'm trusting in you. He knew that was going to happen from the beginning so that I could become everything that he had designed me to be and so that you, for those of you that have done that, you could become everything that he had designed you to become. Not overnight, not an overnight process. It didn't happen just like that. It's still happening for me. I still mess up. I still make mistakes every single day. I don't know if y'all watched the Razorback game last night. I made some mistakes. Every single day. But it's a journey. And every day, I'm taking steps on that journey. Because we were broken. Very broken. And only the Father, only the King, could make us whole again. So Paul continues in verse, thir- uh, in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what he said here. He says, but now you've been united with Christ. In other words, Paul's referring to that adoption that we have been talking about for the past three weeks. And that adoption that has made us a co-heir with Jesus. And so he says, but now you've been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God. And Cole described that wonderfully. How we were way over here. And God was way over here. Far, far away from God. So far that the distance between me and God was unimaginable. And it would take something unimaginable to bring me close to God. In fact, that unimaginable thing was blood. And it was death. That's what it would take. Only the blood of God, the death of God himself, could get us from that far, far distance from God get us close to God and he says and it happened but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ so Paul is speaking to some people who have already submitted to that adoption and that gap has been closed between man and God between that person and God and they submitted to that Now, this blows my mind. You see, God God was not surprised by the fact that Harley sinned and Harley blew it. That didn't surprise God at all. In fact, God was not shocked when you sinned and became God's enemy. He was not shocked. And he was not even caught off guard and he was not caught unprepared when it all went wrong at that very first sin of Adam and Eve. Here's how Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse 4 first. Paul says, even before he made the world, in other words, before God created anything of this world, before he made the earth, before he made the seas, before he made Adam and Eve, all of this that I'm getting ready to say happened before. So he says, even before he made the world, God loved us. Wait a minute. Us had not yet even been created. You and me, us, had not yet even been born. But it says, God loved us. And he chose us. But there's more to that. How did he choose us? He chose us in Christ. All of this happened before creation. Before Adam and Eve. He chose us. He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Now here's the thing. The only way we make it out of here without destruction eternally, is if we are found without fault in God's eyes. And that's the problem 
We have all already blown it. We are all at fault. But here's what Paul is painting a picture of. As God looks at me today, he sees me without fault in his eyes. And guess what? I still blow it and I still sin. So how does that happen that he can look at me without sin and without fault? And here's how. Because he sees me hardly through Christ. Now we have a choice here. We can continue to reject God and say, no, 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 God, take me as I am. Take me as I am. I'm going to live my life my way on my terms. And he sees you through you. And it is all on you. Or we step behind Jesus and submit to him and he sees us through Christ without fault in his eyes because Jesus paid that price for me and for you. And if we will step behind Jesus and submit to him, follow him, guess what? God sees you through Jesus. And this was what blows my mind. He knew all of this before he even created the earth. He already knew. God knew before creation that we would blow it and we would sin. God knew before he made us that we would need to be saved from sin and from living our lives our own way. And again, my mind may be pretty small, but this blows my mind. God even knew before he created the earth who would and would not submit to this adoption we've been talking about. God adopting us through the blood of Jesus. He knew who would do it and who would not. Who would choose to submit to him and who would choose to not. Paul goes on, verse 5. He says, God decided in advance. Again, I can't comprehend this. In advance, before creation, he already decided, already had a plan to fix what was not yet broken. What was not yet even created. But he knew that we were going to blow it. And he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. How? This is the only way. Through Christ. And listen to how he closes this verse. This is what he wanted to do. And it brought him great pleasure. Do you know what Paul is saying here? That this whole thing about Jesus having to die as a sacrifice so God could adopt us. This was not God's plan B. Plan A for God was not to have a bunch of children who would never sin and never need to be redeemed. God's predetermined plan before creation, plan A was this, creation, fall, redemption, adoption. And I guess from reading the New Testament, the New Covenant, it seems that it must have been so that the full range of God's glory and all His mercy and all of His grace could be known by and accepted by His children. Adoption was not the second best. It was planned from the very, for the glory, and here's why, verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. A lot of times we talk about how God saved us for us. But I think the truth in this verse is this. God saved us to prove how amazing 
he is, how glorious he is, how full of grace and mercy he is. And all of that then, Paul says, compels us to call out to God as we cry out to him, Daddy, Daddy! That's our response. And now this morning as we finish this series, one last time in this series, I want to ask this. What I'm getting ready to say, everything that we have studied is going to do one of two things possibly. The first is everything we've studied here, confirmation for you, bring you confirmation. Confirmation for you. To say that, you know what? Yeah, I, I have been adopted by God. I, these verses, this, these passages have confirmed that for me. I have been adopted by God. I have surrendered, submitted my life to Him. I'm standing behind Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I have chosen Him. This confirms it. Yes, I know I have been adopted. Or perhaps maybe you, you're still investigating Maybe you're not sure that you've been adopted yet and you're saying, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to be adopted. So you've been, you, you've been looking and studying and listening. And, and maybe you're saying, I'm just not sure yet. I have been adopted. I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. And so for you, maybe it's not a confirmation. For you, this is an invitation as God our Father is inviting you into an, an eternal, an eternity long relationship with Him made possible, this adoption made possible by the sacrifice, the blood, the death of Jesus. It's an invitation for you. And I ask you this question, have you been adopted yet? Have you submitted to His adoption? And here, let me give you the requirement because something is required of you in order to submit to this adoption that God offers you. And here's the requirement. It's one word. The word is repent. Now let me describe that word for you. Here's what repentance is. We're walking one direction in our lives and that direction is, I, I am making my decisions to satisfy what I choose to do. What I want. Living my life my way on my terms. And, and I may even be making some really good decisions and loving other people along the way. That's not the issue. I'm living my life on my terms, my way, headed my direction. God calls that sin. And listen, here's, here's, here is the deal, just the plain fact. I'm not the creator of the world. I don't get to define what is and what is not sin. And as long as I'm choosing to define that, I'm headed this way. When I get to the point that I realize and admit I don't get to define that, God gets to call what he calls sin, sin. I don't get to. My only choice is to say, no, I'm going to define that and live my life my way. Or I'm going to say, God, you get to define that. And you're calling it sin. And here's what repentance is. Recognizing that I am moving away from God, living life my way on my terms called sin. I recognize that. And I turn. And I begin to pursue Him. Submit. To him, stand behind him. It is that act of turning that is repentance. I turn from one direction that I have been going in my life and I turn into a new direction to follow him. And my friends, I would like to say that we could just say to God, you know, God, I recognize that you're you're God. And that that would be enough. But sadly, the New Testament says, no, 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 no. That's not enough. I, I would like to say that we could even just agree with God. Yeah, this is wrong. This is wrong. I know it's wrong. But the New Covenant does not agree with that. 
I would like to say that we could just think, yes, Jesus is God. He's Lord. He died on the cross for me. Yes, I understand that. And yes, I think that's true. I think it's a fact. But the new covenant says that's not enough. He says, you know what? In fact, the new covenant says that the demons believe all of that. And they tremble. They shudder. And the demons, there is not a demon who will be with God's children, among God's children in this real place called heaven. It's not going to happen. There must be more. And there is. And the new covenant tells us what that is. It's that one word, repent. In order for us to submit to the adoption, to be included in on God's adoption, in order for us to be adopted by God, it requires repentance, which is me turning from my sin, my way, and turning to God. And Cole described this. When we turn to God, does it mean I'm never going to fall again? No, because as long as I am on this side of heaven, I'm still going to blow it. But when I repent and I turn toward God, do you know what the difference is? This direction, I'm forgiven even when I fall. I'm forgiven. And here's my question for you. Have you submitted to the adoption? Have you turned, acknowledged, this, this is my way, this is as God to submit to the And I'm turning and I'm going to submit to the adoption. I'm going to submit to Jesus. And we use the phrase at Sugar Harvest Church all the time. I'm making him the boss of my life. I was the boss of my life. And I am turning. That's repentance. Turning and following him. He's now my boss. Have you done that? And if today, right now, as I'm speaking, if that is what you're doing, if that's what your heart is crying, saying, yes, God, I'm turning from my way. I I may not understand it all, but I'm beginning to see it. I'm turning from my way, from my sin, and I am turning to you, and I'm submitting to you. I'm submitting to your adoption because, Jesus, you paid the price. That's what you're doing, making... Jesus, the boss of your life today, for the first time on the back of your connection card, in just a few moments, before you turn it in, at the end of this worship experience, in just a few moments, we're going to sing one song. Before you turn that card in, would you mark that on the back, saying, yes, I'm making Jesus the boss of my life. And here's the last thing I'm going to ask. We have one more step. So let's say you have, you have, Submitted to this adoption. There's something else I want to, another step I'm going to throw out there today. It's really us kind of holding up the sign saying, yep, I'm adopted. I've been adopted. I am now a child of God. I was a child of his wrath, and now I am a child of God, a co-heir with Christ. And you hold up this sign, and, and it's the sign that says, I've been adopted I've been adopted, and God has given us that sign. I can't explain why he chose that sign, but he did. He chose this sign for us to hold up. And here's the sign, one word. We call it this, baptism. Is it time for you to tell the world that you really have been adopted? You really are following Jesus. You've submitted to him, to his adoption. And here's how the writer, Luke, how he describes that. He's just, you must, each of you, he said, and here it is in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He's, Peter responded, you must, each of you, he said, you must repent of your sins. And then he describes it, which means turn to God. You're turning away from your sins, turning to God. And then he says, and be baptized. And then he says, because there were all kinds of baptisms in the Old Testament. So he's being very clear of what he means about being baptized. He said, this is not one of those Old Testament baptisms. This is a new covenant. A new covenant baptism. And here's what it means. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's why he says why you are to be baptized. To show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Baptism 
is not the forgiveness of your sins. It's to show what God has already done in forgiving your sins. And you're holding up that sign. That's the sign he gave us to tell the world, yep, I'm really following him. And he said, hold up that sign. And it is baptism. And my question for you, see, God chose you. And God crossed that great divide called sin. He crossed sin for you. He died as a payment for your sin, as a payment for your adoption. And now he says, will you tell the world that you really have been adopted by me? Hold up the sign, your baptism. And this morning I just simply ask, if that's you, if it's time for you, will you write that on the back of your connection card and I'm going to get you information about baptism. There's a place, a box to check. It says, I want information about baptism. I'm so excited about your journey with Jesus. Let's pray. It is all you, Father. It is all about your love. It is all about your grace, your glory. You died to redeem us, and your amazing sacrifice brings you glory, Father. Thank you for adopting us. You adopted us when our lives were at our ugliest, and you still loved us. And may we now and chase you every day. May we repent and turn to you and chase you every day for the rest of our lives. So now, because of what you have done for us, we praise you, God. For the glorious grace that you have poured out on us, we praise you. And now we belong, all of those who have submitted to your adoption, belong to your dear Son, Jesus. This is all done in your name. Amen. been walking the same old road for miles and miles you've been hearing the same voice tell the same old lies if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside there's a better life there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel love, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. You got change, he's a chain breaker. We all search for the light of day in the dead of night. We all found yourself worn out from the same old fight. We all run the things we know just ain't right. There's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. Oh, you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. You got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, you receive it. If you can feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, you receive it. If you can feel it, somebody testify. You got pain. Now he's a pain taker. Well, you feel love. He's a way maker. If you need freedom, I'll save him. He's a prison jack and savior. You got change. 
He's a chain breaker. If you need freedom, I'll save him. He's a prison shaking Savior. You got chains. He's a chain breaker. Oh, yes, he is. I'm so glad you've been here with us today as we have finished this series. And I hope you've been challenged and encouraged and motivated and the adoption that God has provided for us. Now, on the end of your rows, that's where the connection card buckets are. As you send them down your row, that's where they go. You can also put your giving envelopes in there. And even if you didn't need the giving envelope, put it in there empty and we'll recycle it. I am so glad you've been here with us today. And I do hope, I do hope you'll be here with us next week as we begin our brand new series. And it is called The Christmas Dare you go first. And so I hope that you'll be a part of this a wonderful series for you to invite that person that you care about and have them sitting beside you. We are going to encourage them. We're going to present the truth with love and grace, mercy and kindness. And oh, I hope you'll be a part of that. It begins next week right here in this room. Now, Cole is going to be at the back um, there. If you're a first-time, second-time guest today, please stop by there and say hi. He's got something for you. I'm going to be in the back. I'd love to say bye before you leave today. Would you join me as we pray? God, thank you. Thank you that, that you have adopted us when we were at our ugliest. God, thank you. Thank you that you pursued us for that adoption. God, I just pray that as we look at that this week, I pray that we would surrender to you, that we would turn and chase you. And God, I pray that our hearts would be confirmed for those of us who have chosen to follow you, and we would be saying, yep, we've been adopted. And God, I pray that for those who are so that they can get to the point in their life to draw them towards you. So that they can get to the point in their lives where they say, Jesus, I'm going to turn from my way and turn to yours. God, we're thankful. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we do pray these things.